one of the reasons why I, I, I love to work with Jade is because Jade, Jade and I have, have very similar tem- temperaments and, and, and the way that we do things. Um, and so the C word that we've been talking about is commitment. And, and we spend the first two weeks talking about the idea that God is committed to you. That, that God is committed to you no matter what you do, his commitment to you. And that we are a people who are marked by God's commitment to us. That we're not a people who are marked by our commitment to God. And, and I really want to, like, if, if you guys um, have missed some of the messages, they're posted online um, at DuralVineyard.org. And it's, it's just an opportunity to really centralize this idea, this truth, that we are a people who have to be marked by God's commitment to us. We cannot be marked by our commitments to God because we waver and our commitments waver. And sometimes we fall short. And if we're marked by our commitments to God, we we will waver in our relationship. We will waver in the way that we see him. But if we're marked by God's commitment to us and we're saying, no, no, I'm a Christian and I'm a follower of Christ because I'm aware that he's committed to me. And I've said yes to his commitment to me. And I'm living my life, working out the ways in which I could respond to this. That's the life of a Christian. But I'm marked solely and primarily by his commitment to me. And last week we talked about how do we respond to this commitment. So we, we've been reading through Romans 5 and we said that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that the greatest demonstration of God's love for us is the cross. The greatest demonstration of God's love for you is not your blessings in your life. It's not your healings. It is not the provision. The greatest demonstration of God's love is the cross. It always has been the cross. It always has to be the cross. His greatest demonstration of his love for you is in cross of Christ and Christ dying for you. That's the demonstration that he gave us. And so we ought to look only to that as the perfect demonstration of God's love. Nothing else, no other blessing. This is, this is, this is, this is why we talk about Jesus so much. This is why I, I, I can't present messages to you on how to make more money and, and, and how to do better within your family. Because I really don't have all those answers and I don't really believe in the, the five steps to a happier this and, and three cues to a better that. I'm, I don't believe in that, but I believe that God's perfect demonstration of his love is in the cross of Christ. And if you could just see that and understand it, that it'll transform your marriage, it'll transform your thoughts. It'll, I think that's the key. I think that's the ingredient. I, I, don't, I think five, unless you're taking five steps closer to the cross, no other five steps matter. Right? This, that, those are the only five steps you ever need to take. Five steps to the cross. Anything is going wrong, five steps closer to the cross of Christ. Find out how God feels about you, his demonstration of his love for you, and those things will begin to transform. He is the transforming agent in our lives. And so we talked about how, how do we respond to this kind of a love for us? How do we respond to a God who incarnates himself and then dies for us to prove that he loves us? How do we live a life that responds to this level of love? Like, how do you respond to someone who gives gives up everything for you. Like, what do you do with that? You know, like, uh, like we're talking to Ralph Gathy. How do I respond to, to like this man or woman who, who provided everything that you're seeing in, in this room? They broke their back and sweat and tears and prayers and sacrifice to make this happen. Their personal time, their personal money, everything. And then they picked up and left all of it, all of it for me and my wife to be in charge of. How do you respond to that? How, how, how do you pay that back? And then you take that on a much bigger scale. God, who has everything, who needs nothing, becomes a man. And he says, this is the demonstration of, of my love for you. And, and the eternal God 
ends his own life, which is a contradiction in and of itself because eternity can never end, but somehow he does it. And he says, this is the extent to which I love you. And we said the greatest response you can have for this is in Romans 12. Paul says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, in view of all of this, this is how you ought to respond. I urge you there, brethren, to give everything to him. Give your bodies as a living sacrifice. Nothing less than everything is the proper response to the cross of Christ. I know that we like to to think that we could just accept the truth that Jesus died for us, and that's a proper response. Accepting the truth is not a proper response for that. We talked last week about the thank you, the like thank you, thank you is not the that's not the that's not the proper response to a God who demonstrates His love for you in such a way. The only response that's right and true. Paul says, is to give your body as a living sacrifice. Be walking dead people. And we said, that's the calling that's on your life. And so I've asked Pastor Jade to come and share with us about how, how, how do we hear God's call? What is God's calling for us corporately? So God has a commitment to us and God's commitment, I believe, is our calling. And, and, and so Pastor Jade is going to talk about God's commitment to your calling and what that looks like. Thank you. Danville took one of my verses and I'm upset. Page three of my notes, Romans 12. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this time, God. Just this opportunity for your spirit to flow through me, Lord. And I ask God that every word that comes out of my mouth would be words proceeding from your mouth, Lord. And I ask, Father, that you would pierce our hearts today with passion for you, Lord, with a bigger picture than maybe what we've seen before, Lord. Father, I ask for grace to be in the room to receive messages about callings because they can make you emotional and feel inadequate. But I thank you, Lord, that it's not by our might or by our strength that we fulfill our calls. It's by your spirit. And so, Lord, I just ask that every heart would be open, every ear would hear, every eye would see visions of the calling that you've placed on your beloved, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I just want to share a quick vision before, which I feel like has to do with the message. Nina's here. Um, This week, as I prepared for this message, I just felt the Lord say, read the book of Revelation. That's your preparation. So I don't know how many of you have read that book. I hadn't read it in a long time. It's very, very overwhelming. And it's very sobering because it brings us back to where we fit into the picture. That the picture is not about us, it's about Jesus. Like Denville says, it's not. He's blessed us with the cross. He's blessed us dying for us, covering our sins washing us white as snow. And from that point on, it should become about him because he has plans and he has purposes and they're going to be accomplished in the earth. And as we were worshiping this morning, um, I felt like I saw in Revelation, there is, uh, it talks about the seventh seal and the angel that has the censer full of incense and the prayers of the saints. And it troubled me in my spirit when I read about this angel because when it's full, he takes it and he throws it down to the earth. 
and it's filled with fire. And this morning I saw that and I heard the Lord say, I baptize you with fire. And I just want to pray, Lord, that as we hear these words of, of your plans, of your, of your vision for the earth, Lord, that we would know what we're sending up is being sent back down to us. The fire to accomplish the desires of the Lord is being thrown back down to us. And I ask, Lord, that today that that angel would throw down fire from heaven in this place and that we would be consumed like we sing, Lord, consumed with holy fire, holy fire to see the purposes of our God accomplished in us, through us, and into the world. The first uh, little scripture, I've had this on my, I have a chalkboard in my house because I believe that God is going to speak to me every day. And I want to meditate on what he says. So I have a chalkboard that I make pretty and I write when I have a scripture that I know is mine because I want it to become part of my very being, my spirit, my soul, my flesh, my eyelashes. I want to ooze that promise. The last time I even wrote it as a rainbow because I just felt like it was such a strong promise and it's out of Revelation 5, verse 9 to 10. It says, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom, some versions say, to be kings and priests, to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. This is your calling. This is the purpose for the purchase. He saved us because he loves us, but he purchased us to accomplish something. And he's committed to his purpose. And that commitment translates to commitment to your purpose because you're part of his big picture. It can be taboo sometimes, you know. They're so, um, it's so hard sometimes. It's just hard. Because he has so many facets. There's so many truths, and they're all truths. And sometimes they push against each other, and it's living in that pushed-up place that can get complicated. So... God loves us, and we're saved by his sacrifice and his love and grace alone. But I do believe that he desires more for you than that. And we see that with Peter. When the Lord comes back, he's been resurrected, and he comes to Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. He doesn't say, well done, good and faithful servant. He says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Do something with that love. You love me with a purpose. I have a purpose for the love you have for me. Every revelation that you've received about how much he loves you, there's purpose in that revelation for the person next to you, the nation next to you, the sick person next to you. It doesn't stop at you. It is constantly moving and going until it returns back to the Lord. Um, I felt... Two things to really encourage you guys. 
that you're all called. And it doesn't matter what you've done or what you're doing right now, what you've done wrong, what you've done right. Your calling has nothing to do with your level of holiness. Your calling has nothing to do with how jubilant you can praise the Lord. It has to do with what he's called you to do. And we see that in Romans 9. Romans 9.10 is talking about Jacob and Esau. Well, they're talking about the Jews and the Gentiles and God's purposes for Jews and Gentiles. And the author brings it down to the simplicity of Esau and Jacob. And he said, before they had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose and election might stand not by works, but by him who calls, he already spoke to their mother that the oldest would bow down to the youngest. And there's so much biblical story there that I'm not going to get into, but I encourage you to go to the book of Genesis and study Jacob and Esau. Go to the prophets and study Jacob and Esau because they are throughout the Old Testament. But what I want to focus on right here for each one of you is that before you did anything good or bad, he already spoke over your life. He has already decided who you are in his end-time vision. And there's no obstacle that can stand against it. Jacob was a, what is it, a heel biter? A little bit of like a con guy, a liar. He was kind of selfish. But yet, he was called to be Israel because God said so. And so I just want to encourage you guys that it's not about you. There's nothing wrong with you that disqualifies you from the big dream God has for you. So to that, I also say the same way your calling is not based on what you do, good or bad. It's also not based on your own desires. Our hearts are full of evil, and when they look holy, they're still full of evil. And here it is. Okay, so... I'm going to be really honest with you guys and once again make myself vulnerable. This week, I've really been fasting and praying. I felt like the Lord's presence was far from me. I felt like the Holy Spirit was grieved, and I I needed to know why. Because when I, some of you have heard me say, I have no life in me without the life of Christ. And that's not religious mumbo jumbo. That's just reality. Before I had Jesus, I was suicidal. So there you go. You know, it's like I need his voice. I need his presence. I need to know that he's with me and that I'm with him. And when I can't sense it, I am a dead dog on the side of the road that cannot even lift her head to drink water. And this week, I really wanted to know where the Lord was. What had I done? And so, of course, I started to feel depressed, heavy, condemned, convicted. And at the end of it all, what the Lord really did was he showed me decisions I made that I thought were based on the fear of the Lord in me. But they were really still fundamentally based on other things, disguised as Jesus. And see, he won't stand for that. He won't stand for that. He'll let you go because his grace will carry you until it's time to put it down. And this week, 
as far as my calling goes, he showed me how much of myself I denied for the sake of others. It wasn't truly the cross of God. I can't go feed homeless people because I feel bad for hungry people. I can't pray for the sick because I feel sorry for you that you're sick. I can't cross an ocean to see a nation saved because I want them to go to heaven. It's got to be for Jesus. He's the only purpose for the calling. He's the only reason, and this is the work he's done in me. And I know that it's a heavy, heavy word, or at least for me it was. Maybe for some of you it's much more simple. I hope that it is. But I want to encourage you to check your motives for your visions, for your dreams, because you are called good or bad. He is committed to that calling, despite the obstacles in your life. But he wants your heart to be the motive, your heart for him, your love for him. We can't plant churches to see people saved for salvation's sake. Salvation belongs to the Lord. We have to plant churches because worthy is the lamb who was slain, who purchased you with his very own blood. In Romans 8, okay, it's Romans 5 that, Sorry, Revelation 5 that talks about Jesus purchasing us with his own blood for God. Romans 9 talks about purpose not being based on what you've done, good or bad, that before you're born, the Lord has already seen where you fit into his plan. And so there's nothing that says you are no longer qualified. Because his word over your life is what qualifies you. His word in you qualifies you. In Romans 8, it says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. If by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live because you're led by the Spirit. And those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We sang that today. That's where that, that line in the song comes from. And so in the midst of encouraging you that you're all called, and we'll talk about really quickly, because that's the easy part. Open any page of the Bible, you know what you're called to, because it says it over and over and over and over. It's understanding the calling that can be complicated. But I encourage you to cry out for the Holy Spirit. If there's one message I have, it's God loves you and you need the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He is God, like Jesus, like the Father, the Holy Spirit, God. You can't have one without the other. You can't accomplish what he's giving you to accomplish without all three because you need them. It's by them that you're made righteous. It's, it's through them that you're justified. You're called. You're, you know, set free by the three. You need daddy, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you to cry out for the Holy Spirit, to be so sensitive to him that when he's moved away, you feel lost. You can't find your way. 
because that's how we're called to live. I just want to pray really quick. So, Lord, I just ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would blow in this place, Lord, in your garden. Blow through us, Lord. Blow through us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Even right now, God. Even right now, Lord. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Father. We need everything that you are to be present inside of us. We need you manifested inside of us to be fully possessed by God. That Christ would be in us. I felt like the Lord say, you know, in Revelation, it talks about who was and who is and who is to come. And I saw the church, not just, not like you guys, but like just the bride of Christ, believing who was. I mean, they are celebrating. We are celebrating who was. We see that cross. We receive the cleansing. But when we get to who is, it starts to get shaky. And when we get to who will, it gets even more complicated. Because unless we believe all three, that he was, that he is, and that he is to come, we'll never move forward. We can't move forward because you got to believe that the one you're going out risking your life for is. And as you risk your life and maybe lose your head and die for the sake of the gospel, that he's coming again. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think about these things. I'm like, Lord, if I'm going to get my head cut off one day, could you just really make me strong in knowing that what this book of Revelation says is really going to happen, that you are coming again, that it doesn't just end with this kind of place that we're living in now where people believe, people don't believe. It's like he is now and he will. And I, again, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would receive that truth, that we would not settle to know with our minds, but that your spirit would bear witness inside of us that he who was and is and is to come is worthy of everything we have. Worthy of everything we have and that we're called to this. I don't want to lose sight of that this is what you're called to. And he's committed to it because this is his plan. So he's committed to you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And I'm going to put a little twist on that that I never saw before. When the author of Romans writes about before they did anything good or bad, Jacob was chosen to become Israel. Esau he hated. Again, you have to go to Genesis there, and it's too much to explain right now. It talks about God having mercy on whom he has mercy. And it's a sobering thought because when you read Revelation, there's lots of people who aren't going with us to Zion, who aren't entering the holy city of the new Jerusalem. But you, you are. And it's because of God's mercy. He chose you. The writer goes on to say, isn't it the creator's right to create things that are meant for wrath, to bring about his glory? And you, 
were chosen to bring about his glory. You were chosen not for wrath. You were chosen to believe in the name, to believe in the one he sent. And that is God's mercy in your life. That is the cross, that you see it and you believe it because many see it and they can't. But for whatever reason, and I don't want to get into like, you know, there's all these theological things for are we meant to believe, are we not meant to believe, and all that. All I know is what the Word says. And the Word says that God chooses what's created for wrath and destruction and what's created for mercy. And he's created you for his mercy. He sits on the mercy seat for you. And in light, now I say that scripture again out of Romans 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. I'm going to say that again. There are things in creation that are going to burn, people included. There are things in creation that are made for his glory, people included. And you, by his mercy, have been chosen to see his face to see his blood poured out for you. And in view of that mercy in your life, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I'm going to pray one more time because I know that's like heavy. So, Lord, I just thank you, God. I thank you for heavy words. I thank you that sometimes we need milk, but sometimes you just release some meat. I thank you, Lord, that that meat is meat, Lord, and, it, and it's harder to chew. You can't just gulp it down. So, Lord, I ask that this meat would be savory in their mouths and that we would chew it and receive that truth, that in light of your mercy, we would offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Before Denville's coming up now, so I'm just going to proclaim over you You are called to take up your cross and follow him. You are called to believe. You are called to believe that he who was, is, and will come again. You are called to be reconciled to Christ. He's purchased you and you're his now. You are called to compete for the crown. You're called to overcome You're called to go into all the earth and proclaim the good news of the gospel. You're called to live by the Spirit. You're called to share in his sufferings and his resurrection. You're called to be conformed to him. You're called to pray without ceasing. You're called to make disciples, to cast out demons, to proclaim the Lord's favor, to heal the sick and raise the dead. You're called to be obedient to the spirit of Christ. You're called to the promise. So, Lord, I just thank you for this time, God. I ask that this word would go deep into each of our hearts and that it, it would be okay, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, thank you.